You're listening to the Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics. And welcome to another show of the Domecast, our weekly look back and ahead at all things in North Carolina politics and government. I guess I say all things. We only run for about 25 minutes, or so we try to keep it to that. So, uh, But we do thank you for listening, and we've had an interesting week. Uh, I am Andy Curlis with the News and Observer. We're going to talk about the resignation of the Transportation Secretary, Tony Tata. We'll get into the latest on the budget. That is the biggest thing going. And we will, of course, have our headliners of the week as we... Uh, record this week's Domecast. The campaign finance reports are flowing in, and we'll digest those. And uh, if we don't revisit them uh, in next week's Domecast, be sure to check out newsobserver.com or subscribe to The Insider where you get all of the latest. Let's jump right into it. I have with me Craig Jarvis of the News and Observer and Patrick Gannon of The Insider. And Craig Jarvis, tell us uh, what happened with Tony Tata, one of the governor's uh, cabinet secretaries. Well, that's a darn good question. All we know for sure is that he resigned on Tuesday, uh, which was uh, notable for, uh, for, for two things, really. One, it was so sudden, nobody expected it, and it took effect that day. Apparently, he was out of his office before Tuesday concluded. Uh, and the other thing was simply that he, uh, he's been such a big presence. He was really been a, a character, uh, not only uh, during his two years in the McCrory administration, but he was a uh, superintendent of the Wake County Board of uh, School, Board, School District. And uh, he's really one of those people who uh, draws attention to himself just by his presence. They, everybody says he has a way of taking over a room. But really, he's been a tireless advocate for the governor's uh, various transportation projects and proposals. Do we have any uh, sense of, of uh, how his resignation affects, uh, you know, the governor is pitching a, uh, a transportation bond? Is it, do you have any feeling for one way or the other? Does, does his, his absence going to change that uh, equation? Well, the word is no that, that I've heard from the legislators on the, on the uh, Transportation Committee on both uh, the Senate and the House side that they're, uh, they're thinking things are in motion. They kind of know what they want to do, uh, and they think that the department, you know, things are in place. His, his absence, they're saying, really won't make a difference with what's already uh, underway, although certainly, as I said, the governor loses a big cheerleader there. And, of course, he has talked about running for office. Uh, maybe we'll touch on that in a minute. Patrick Gannon of The Insider. Uh, so this is uh, another cabinet secretary in the governor's administration. Uh, what do you make of it, and, and uh, does there any sort of effect here on the governor? Well, th- this clearly isn't the first time we've heard a, a kind of high-profile figure from the Macquarie administration um, defect um, Tony Tate is just the the latest, um, you know, early on in the governor's uh, tenure. Um, I guess it was probably mid 2013. Um, his public safety secretary, his initial public safety uh, secretary, Kieran Shanahan, left under kind of odd circumstances. Um, Art Pope, uh, his original budget director, left uh, midway through uh, the governor's first term. Uh, Sharon Decker, a, a pretty well-respected uh, commerce secretary, uh, left to uh, to go into uh, private industry. 
Um, there's talk that uh, Revenue Secretary Lyons Gray um, is looking for another job and and maybe uh, the next to go potentially. Well, and he is nominated right for uh, utilities. Correct. Correct. Yeah, we're expecting that. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, the, the people that are left from, from the beginning are, uh, D, you know, the high profile people that are left DHH secretary, um, Aldona Vosh, who's, who's, you know, been an embattled secretary, uh, over the, the years in the McCrory administration, um, Bill Dautridge, the administration secretary, uh, Lario Pantano, who's not a cabinet member, but he runs the uh, division of veterans affairs, uh, those are all people who are who have remained, and then the governor's lost some people, a bunch of people on his uh, direct staff in his office, some communications people, um, and others uh, now, over the uh, years. And uh, I guess we should mention Susan Klutz as well. She's uh, traveled widely for the governor. But is this sort of the nature of the beast? Is there something? Uh, you know, it does feel a little bit early to have this number of of departures, but. It's tough to say. I mean, these are definitely high-profile jobs. In some of these instances, these are people that have never been in high-profile jobs. I mean, t- Tony Tate is not one of those. Uh, he, he, you know, he was a superintendent of Wake County Schools, and and um, but somebody like Susan, uh, or I'm sorry, Sharon Decker, um, you know, she came from the private sector and and went back to it. Um, uh, so it puts puts people that that maybe aren't necessarily uh, politicians in in jobs that they're, um, you know, maybe not altogether comfortable with, um, and then they leave. And the replacements, uh, for the most part, have been um, people we know or or sort of people already there. He's not bringing in uh, the same type of level as coming in uh, to replace these open positions. Right. Uh, John Scavarla took over at Commerce. He was with uh, he was the deaner secretary. He was the original deaner secretary in the McCrory administration. So when Sharon Decker left, he took over there. Um, we have now Nick Tennyson, who who is filling in, at least in the interim, uh, for Tony Tata, who's been at uh, DOT. Yeah, and very good. And so Craig Jarvis, uh, there have been, uh, obviously, there, there's uh, already talk of who would be replacing uh, Tony Tata. What are you hearing? Well, everybody uniformly that I talked to right off the bat said uh, Nick Tennyson, the chief deputy, I guess is his title over there, uh, would be somebody they'd be very comfortable with. They like him. The board chairman for the Board of Transportation said, to a member, they all have a lot of respect for Tennyson. He's a former Durham mayor who uh, was, uh, in the, uh, was in the home building industry, uh, made a lot of connections statewide in developing a metro mayor's coalition. So it sounded like you know he might be kind of a natural choice. Then uh, Representative uh, Charles Jeter from down in Mecklenburg County uh, made it clear that he's interested in the job, said he's he runs a transportation company, he's interested in those issues. Uh, he made it uh, clear that he would be uh, very excited to take uh, to take over that kind of a job. And uh, you know, there's always uh, rumors that s- swirl around up here about other people coming out of the woodwork. We'll see how that all plays out. Uh, let's close this segment up. I want to ask you both a question: uh, Will Tony Tata run for office in the future? A prediction, Craig Jarvis. Uh, good question. I say. From what we know right now, yeah, I think there's a good chance that he could. He There was a talk that he might run uh, for Walter Jones' congressional seat, uh, and then more recently for uh, Renee Elmers, who is considered uh, vulnerable by a lot of people, and that stretches down into Fayetteville military territory. So that might be a good uh, 
a, a good bad unless you know uh, unless we learn more about why he left uh, so suddenly. Patrick Gannon will Tony Tater run for office? I'd be surprised if he didn't. Um, he, he's a guy who is on Fox News uh, as a commentator quite often. Uh, he's out there in, in the public. He 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 obviously likes uh, the public persona um, and and high profile jobs. I'd I'd be surprised if at some point he did not. Very good. Let's take a break and we'll come back and talk about the budget. Have you checked out the newly designed News and Observer this week? You'll see changes that make all of our products more visually appealing while giving you in-depth coverage and new ways of storytelling. Visit new.newsobserver.com to learn more about the new ways for your news day. As a listener to the Domecast, we have a special offer for you. You can receive the News and Observer Digital Edition for only 99 cents for four weeks. This includes unlimited access to NewsObserver.com, mobile, iPad apps, and the print replica e-edition. Just head over to NewsObserver.com, click subscribe at the top of the page, and enter the promo code DOMECAST to receive this special offer. And we're back on the Domecast, our weekly look back and ahead on things in North Carolina politics and government. I'm Andy Curlis with the News and Observer. Thanks for listening. We wanted to talk about the budget. It's, of course, a, a big focus for us because it's so much money, so much attention. And, of course, this week uh, also a lot of news about it. Let's let's listen to Colin Campbell of the News and Observer in Ben Brown of The Insider, I, uh, both of them are here. Colin, uh, looks like uh, the big news of the week was no news on the budget. Yeah, that was uh, sort of the takeaway. Um, we learned that there hasn't been the meetings that many maybe have assumed that had been happening uh, behind the scenes over the last month or so as we've uh, had no uh, agreement between the House and the Senate on which version of the budget or which budget items uh, will, will be in the final deal. Uh, and that was one. Uh, uh, I guess it was Wednesday. We heard from uh, Senator Tom Apodaca, who got up on the Senate floor to, uh, I guess, start by praising the uh, Health and Human Services chairs and the Finance chairs, who have indeed had meetings with their uh, counterparts in the other chamber, and then uh, took issue with the appropriations chairs, the top budget writers from the House, who he says have not been willing to meet yet with their Senate counterparts, and instead have been holding this uh, series of sort of public hearings where they go over. Uh, in a, a public setting with the entire uh, House Appropriations or Finance Committee, the differences between the two budget plans, and they hear from uh, the public, although most of the folks they hear from in the public are fans of the House plan as opposed to the Senate plan. Uh, so that's all been going on. Um, meanwhile, we've got a August 14th deadline coming up uh, to either pass a budget or pass another temporary budget. The school year is about to start, so schools want to know uh, how much money they're going to have to hire teachers. Uh, and all of this, I think, puts us a little bit beyond where we've been in years past on uh, getting a budget done. And uh, Ben Brown of The Insider, it is an interesting sort of setup here where uh, the Senate, has they've both passed budgets, but now the House has been holding hearings, people are weighing in and, yeah, and still I, commenting I, on the House budget, right? I, I asked Nelson Dollar about that, the uh, Senior Appropriations Chair, and he said that um, you know the, the finance people, as Apodaca said, have reached out um, across the, uh, the hallway to talk. Um, 
to figure out how much money they have to spend before they can talk about appropriations. That's that's how Dollar put it to me. And and there are groups uh, still weighing in, trying to sway it one way oh, or yeah. the other. We even heard from an old, uh, a familiar name, Grover Norquist, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah what, one what of the more saying? prominent voices when it comes to uh, conservative policy, especially tax policy. He's the, uh, the head of Americans for Tax Reform, and in that capacity, he addressed a letter to... Uh, members of the General Assembly this week basically saying, you know, you guys are doing great work, but, and here's actually the direct quote, uh, however, some changes have been proposed that present bad tax policy and would cause the state to take a step back after the tremendously successful 2013 Tax Reform Act, end quote. And he goes on to really focus on one concern, and that was with a proposal to put a sales tax on advertising, which is part of the Senate plan. Uh, he said approving that would be, quote-unquote, a, a serious mistake because, uh, Buying an ad is a business-to-business transaction. That means any newly incurred costs would be passed down to North Carolinians, and then there are new costs related to compliance and on and on. Bottom line, Grover Norquist doesn't like the advertising sales tax, which, according to him, no other state currently has. I think Florida used to have it. Um, I shot this letter over to uh, the office of the Senate leader, Phil Berger, and a spokeswoman wrote back saying, you know, it looks like with this one exception, Grover Norquist is a big fan of the Senate budget. So I don't know whether this letter is going to make any impression as far as policy goes. Who knows? Well, and of course, uh, Colin Campbell, uh, all sorts of groups still weighing in. We heard from uh, teacher assistants uh, this week in the in the House. And uh, so it's all, it's all just one of those things that we're going to have to watch play out. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think everyone's got a differing... Um opinion about when the session might end. Some people are being optimistic about August 14th. A lot of the legislators are saying, yeah, that's probably not going to happen at this point. Uh, and certainly uh, the movement towards meetings has been been very, very slow. There's been, you know, the ha- uh, House and Senate both took a week-long vacation at the beginning of July. There was the uh, ALEC conference that a lot of the conservative legislators went to about a week or so ago. There was another conference up in New England that uh, several of them are at this week. So there was a kind of a skeleton crew uh, in both chambers on Thursday of this past week. Uh, and then I understand there may be another legislative conference next week that some may be attending. So a lot of people out of town. And, and when you ask one of the budget writers, you know, oh, why haven't you had a meeting? They're, they're quick to point out which uh, legislator isn't here this week. And therefore, you know, without Senator Harry Brown at the table, we just can't get this ball rolling. So, you know, we could be here uh, Chuck McGrady in the House told me that uh, he's uh, looking at buying his Halloween costume in Raleigh, which is a, a <laughs> bad sign for those of us who would like the mm-hmm. legislature to uh, go home or, or finish their business uh, sometime in the next two or three months. And, of course, Governor McCrory would like for them to go as well. We've heard him say that many times. Yeah, he's, he's gotten enough flack from those guys. I think he would like for them not to be in the news uh, offering their opinions about his leadership as they have been recently. I imagine the governor is also doing the math on his bond uh, proposals and, and what it takes to get them on the ballot. Um, there's certain uh, time frame requirements for that. And so uh, really, if those things are going to be on the ballot uh, later this year, there has to be some action on that as well. So we'll be watching for that. Uh, so as we uh, take a break, let's hear, uh, Colin, you mentioned earlier, uh, Senator Apodaca. Let's hear from him on the floor uh, talking about the budget as we head into a break. But I'd be remiss if I didn't give a verbal thank you and out shout out so to speak thank you to the house dhs h dhhs team and their work with senator high senator pate and senator tucker 
on Medicaid reform. We appreciate their efforts. Seems like real progress must be being made, and that's a good thing. Secondly, I think it's good that we give a shout out to um, Representative Sane and Representative Brawley for their work with Senator Rucho and the finance team on reaching out and having meetings. So that's very encouraging. And I'd like to give a shout out to the appropriations team in the House, but they're too busy going over our budget to sit down with us and discuss the differences. I guess they haven't found those out yet and negotiate and move forward. So I'd like to encourage the House Appropriations team to join with the rest of us and let's get home before Labor Day. So you smash your thumb with a hammer. Ouch! You race to the hospital. And they ask, what medications are you taking? Thankfully, in your wallet is a list with your medications on it. Wife went to safemedication.com, downloaded the free template, and wow, that pink pill has a real name. To create your own medication list, visit safemedication.com or talk with your hospital pharmacist. Brought to you by the American Society of Health System Pharmacists. And we're back on the Domecast, uh, our segment that we uh, like and we have some fun with, our headliners of the week. Most of you know the drill by now. We have each of our panelists nominate someone, argue for them 45 seconds. If the bell goes off, that's when they're supposed to stop. And then we have some fun and pick our headliner of the week. Let's start first with Colin Campbell of the News and Observer. Tell us, who is your headliner of the week. Well, I'm picking uh, Senator Ronald Rabin, who uh, on an otherwise uh, not very newsworthy day, I guess it was uh, Thursday of this week, uh, got up on the Senate floor and uh, wanted to give a little speech about something that was on his mind, the uh, University of New Hampshire uh, speech guidelines that uh, suggested that you shouldn't use the word America uh, because it was it left out South America, I think was the rationale. But he felt like you know, this was an indication political correctness has gone awry. He compared it to Nazi uh, book burnings, which uh, raised some eyebrows. Uh, of course, Rabin is a very outspoken uh, military veteran, has uh, endorsed Donald Trump in the past. So uh, for him making a little bit of news on an otherwise slow day, I'm picking Ronald Rabin. Ronald Rabin. And, uh, of course, he's uh, he does like to take a moment of personal privilege every now and then. And in some way, it's a little folksy or trying to educate the pages and and i think that was the spirit in what he was doing yeah there. yeah and he's one of the senators that has a tendency to uh to want to occasionally use the the florida weigh in on a, a bigger national issue that may not necessarily be before uh the state senate but that he feels is uh, important to talk about interesting let's go now to ben brown of the insider tell us who is your Headliner of the week. Ted Spring. He's the uh, the former president of Cape Fear Community College and the subject of an audit that came out this week that determined that he had misappropriated money while in office. Uh, the school's board of trustees said it was more than $80,000, and this led to a really fiery response from Spring's attorney saying that the audit was loaded with inaccuracies and can't be trusted and that his client did nothing wrong. And he ended up making statements that, that caused the auditor's office to defend itself in a somewhat rare public statement, actually responding publicly um, to the criticism of an audit. I wish I had 20 minutes to talk about this, but it may lead to a criminal probe in uh, Spring's uh, time in office. But anyway, Ted Spring is my pick. Ted Spring, a headliner 
of the week and uh, sort of uh, drawing in the state auditor, Beth Wood. That's right. In the process. Um, it is interesting. There are times when uh, when the auditor's office does respond, but it is rare. So, yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Uh, let's go now to Craig Jarvis. Craig Jarvis of the News and Observer. Tell us, who is your headliner of the week? Well, of course, it's Tony Tata. Uh, for the reasons we've already discussed earlier in the program, he uh, has been a big presence and may yet to be a big presence you know, on the political landscape in North Carolina. So we'll uh, we'll see where that goes. But he is certainly he certainly made a lot of waves with his resignation this week. Tony Tata, as we mentioned in our first segment, so we'll throw him in the hat. And let's go now to Pat Gannon of The Insider. Tell us, who is your headliner of the week? I'm going to go with uh, State Representative Phil Shepard of Jacksonville, who's a co-chairman of the House Transportation Committee. Pretty much a, a laid-back legislator, not one that makes news a ton. Um, but this week I walked into a committee meeting. He was standing there talking to a couple other legislators and basically uh, pretty loudly. I mean, I was 10, 15 feet away. could hear him very well say... Um, kind of ripping into the governor and, and saying, why is he out there, um, you know, running his mouth and, and why doesn't he just uh, shut his mouth is what is one of the um, things that came that came out. So I asked him to clarify afterwards and he just said that, you know, and the governor's been out there criticizing the legislature on certain things. And he said sometimes things are just better left unsaid and there may be a compromise in there on certain issues such as the sales tax redistribution issue. Um, I guess I'm done, but I'm going to take uh, Representative Phil Shepard from uh, Onslow County. Phil Shepard, and of course that's part of that ongoing uh, <laughs> discussion, debate between the governor and the legislature. It continued. Um, the really interesting reporting there by Pat Gannon earlier this week. Hope you all saw that. Uh, all right, so here's the moment, and uh, this one's a pretty easy one. Um, you know, we don't always go with the obvious, but I think uh, on a week like this, uh, Tony Tata is our headliner of the week, and we thank you for listening. Uh, be sure to check out newsobserver.com and the Insider uh, for to keep up with the latest, and we will see you next week. You've been listening to The Domecast, a production of the News and Observer and the Insider State Government News Service. You can keep up with the conversation by reading Under the Dome in the Daily Print Edition or online at newsobserver.com. The Insider is found online at ncinsider.com.